Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Today I am very excited to welcome in a good friend and maybe one of the most fearless writers that I know, Shalise Manzi Young of Yahoo Sports. Shalise is a good buddy of mine. She's covered the Patriots for the Globe as well as the Projo. These days, she's crushing it over at Yahoo. My first question, Shalise, will Yahoo send you or Eric Edholm or Charles Robinson or maybe all of you guys to Canton for the August 2035 induction ceremony for Mac Jones? (laughs) 2035 I don't know how many of us will still be around then but man are people fitting him for the for the gold jacket already I mean he's certainly the best of this rookie quarterback class but we got a little ways to go I'm sure he'll get a red jacket someday as a Patriots Hall of Famer but Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) what are your early thoughts on on how he's performed I, I mean the numbers obviously you know the individual numbers especially after Monday night are not necessarily there but he continues to check off these boxes in my mind where he's winning these games and we all know the quarterback wins are kind of a phony stat but he's winning these games under center and the the team seems to be responding to him at the very least yeah I you know I haven't watched every Patriots game this year um, like you have, but the games that I've seen, he's been solid, you know, and I think that's all you can ask for him at this point. I know, you know, some Patriots fans have um, expressed some frustration that they think that the entire playbook isn't open to him or, you know, that they're managing him, but that makes sense in a way. Um, And it's working, you know, they're, they're winning, they're on this win streak, And I think it helps build confidence. I remember Bill, you know, what I remember of Bill is him always saying like decision-making and accuracy. And Mm -hmm. it seems like that's the part that they're working on. And and he's, he's doing well with that. He can make some big plays. We've seen that. Um, And it really seems like the players love him. Was it um, Kyle Van Noy? I saw last night or this morning, a quote from him that said, you know, during training camp that week that Cam Newton missed, And we got to see really what this kid was and he opened eyes and, you know, players, as you know, you know, players are always going to, to, to hype up their teammates, but Mm -hmm. there's saying we all believe in him. And then they're saying, you know, something like that, which is pretty candid. um, it, It seems like, you know, especially for a Patriots player and them saying, you know, he's, he's got the goods and it's, you know, nobody's, if you expect them to jump in there and look like, you know, 2007, 2007, Tom Brady from day one, that's a little too much. Um, But it seems like they're, they're bringing him along and it's working. There seems to be a genuine belief to your point. And, and, you know, you referenced the quote from Kyle Van Noy that there is a a strong belief that this is the kid who can take us to where we want to be, you know, not, not, again, he's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look at him play and when you see the team respond to him, it does bring back some memories of Tom Brady circa, you know, 2001. I don't want to go too far down that road, but, you know, you were there, we were there in the early days of the Tom Brady era, and there are certain things that that you see Mac Jones do that certainly remind you of Brady at that same stage of his career. Right. I mean, if you look at Brady's early game outputs, he was not 
throwing for 400 yards and four and five touchdowns. He was, he was getting it done. And, and funny enough, you know, to extend the parallel a little bit further in Brady's early years, the Patriots were known far more for the defense than they were for their offense. And that's the position that Mac fortunately finds himself in is this defense has been playing lights out. You know, they're, they're getting it done and they're shutting teams down. And, and if the defense is only allowing 14 points or 17 points, that certainly takes a lot of pressure off the kid that he only has to, you know, come up with 21, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not, you know, it's manageable. It's not like the defense is horrible. And so therefore he has to put up 31 points because the defense is giving up 28 points a game. You spent a lot of time covering the Patriots. You, you spent a lot of time in that building on the beat more than just about anyone for a decade. Plus, you know how that operation works as well as anybody. Did you think Bill would have them back in this competitive this quickly after the departure of Tom Brady? No, no, I, I'd be lying if I said otherwise. I just, you know, they brought in Cam and I am, I don't want to say a Cam apologist, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on the record many times as being a Cam fan mm-hmm. and I was rooting for him to, you know, come in last year and, you know, his shoulder would be healed and he would be feeling great and he'd lead the Patriots. But when you look at that roster from last year, there, <laughs> the cupboard was pretty bare. Um, and so he's done a he's done a good job. You know, I think one of the knocks on Bill from me is that as a GM, he has had some flaws, um, but they were easy to overlook because of how the team performed year after year. But you know, not only did they spend money this year, as we know, but they brought in some good pieces. They drafted some good pieces. It looks like so. I didn't think so quickly. Um, I think certainly they're aided by the fact that <laughs> the NFL in general in the AFC for sure has been just a roller coaster ride this year. I mean, this is what the NFL wants. It wants parity. It wants you to tune into any game and you don't know what the result's going to be, but goodness gracious, you know, the teams that we all thought were going to be coasting four weeks in are by and large, not at all the teams that are at the top of the heap, you know, 12, 13 weeks in. It's crazy. This is going to be one of those years where we're going to look back and we're going to say, wait, they won the division. They won. The, <laughs> they were, this, this is going to be, and, and, I, and I said this the other day, and this feels like one of those years where I, I went out on a limb and I said, look, would we be surprised in hindsight because this year has been as crazy as it's been that the Chargers, for example, would make the AFC championship game? Yeah, no, I think, and and that's, that's what's, you know, bananas about it is for a while, you know, Cincinnati looked like they were going to be world beaters and every, you know, Cleveland came into the season with so much expectations after what they went through. Buffalo went through, you know, came into this season with incredible expectations. Kansas city has struggled and you just kind of thought, you know, three or four years ago, we all were like, okay, this is, you don't want to say the new New England necessarily, but if there was a team that looked like it was primed to start another dynasty, it was Kansas City. And they're sort of rounding into form now, but it's just been, it's been all over the place. Um, again, I'm sure the league loves it, but when you look at the standings, you know, Cleveland is six and six and all the turmoil that they've had with, 
you know, players coming out or their fathers coming out against Baker <laughs> and everyone's supposed to stand by and be like, yeah, he's playing with his arm dangling from its side, but look how gritty he is. Well, <laughs> if you can't help the team win, then sit down for a couple weeks, go through rehab, let somebody else, you know, carry the team and come back when you're healthy or anyway, nobody expects to be a hundred percent healthy at this point in the year, Baltimore, you know, they look great one week and then other weeks they're not Buffalo. If you scratch the surface of, of who their wins are against, it's not anybody impressive. Plus they lost nine to six to the, the Jaguars who <laughs> continue to be a flaming trash heap. My goodness. So it's just such a, it's a weird, again, it's my colleague, Charles Robinson has said it on, on his podcast many times. It's like, you start to think, Oh, this is the team. This is the team. This is the hot team now. And then two weeks later, you're like, Oh, let's find a new one. And it just, it's been changing, but here we are. And the Patriots have won what seven straight now. So they are the hot team. And, And, but they look on paper anyway, they look legitimate. You know, they're, they're doing it with defense and they're, you know, not the showtime Patriots of Randy Moss and Wes Welker, but you know, they're getting it done. The, the, the thing for me, when you look at this team and you stack them up against some of the other teams out there, you mentioned the fact that they play good defense. They play consistent defense. They're one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best scoring defense in the league right now, but they also run the ball. They run the ball really well. And I think that has the potential to separate them when you get to January a little bit in, in their other teams. I know that there are other teams out there that do a lot of the same stuff like Indianapolis, um, you know, with Jonathan Taylor, but you look at their ability to run the ball and run it consistently against some pretty good defensive fronts. I think that could be one of the difference makers. The other thing too, and this is something I don't think we're talking enough about the special teams has been pretty good this year. They've, they've, they've had some brain locks. I don't know what Nikhil Harry was doing back there returning punts against Buffalo, but you look primarily at Nick Falk and Jake Bailey. That's a good pairing back there. And we all know that, you know, you get to January, you're not just looking at the offense. You're not just looking at the defense, but that special teams grouping figures into the mix as well. Oh, of course, of course. And nobody knows that better than Bill. I mean, there's been so much talk of, about him this week and, and, you know, uh, Sean McDermott saying what he said about him after the game, but the the genius, if you want to call it genius of Bill is like, he understands what it takes. And for all of the gaudy numbers that we've seen, and, you know, I'm sure fantasy football players love it when you see even mediocre quarterbacks can have 4,000, 4,500 yard passing seasons. And that helps you win your fantasy leagues. But if you can't get it done and we saw, we're seeing this with Buffalo now, they don't really have a run game. Mm-hmm. So the thing that you need to be able to do is a, it helps take pressure off the quarterback. As you know, cause you love speaking to offensive linemen, offensive linemen love <laughs> to run block. They would, they will run block all day instead of pass block. So you're helping your offensive linemen. You're mm-hmm. helping your quarterback. You're taking time off the clock because nothing eats clock faster than running the ball, better than running the ball. And you're also, when you run it that much, you're punishing the defense because, you know, I wrote about Brandon Staley this week. He had a clip in October where he explained it just so beautifully that, you know, when you're running the ball a lot, you're also punishing the defense Mm -hmm. because they actually have to make tackles. They actually have to block and that expends energy. And if you're just 
pounding the ball down the defense's throat and they can't, even if you're getting four yards a carry, it's not that you're, you're crushing it, but you're, you're eating clock, you're keeping possession and you're beating up the defense and, and just kind of grinding them down a little bit. So when it gets to be, you know, 57 minutes and you need to get into field goal position, is the defense fresh or is the defense just exhausted because, you know, they've had to defend the run 30, 35 times. For me, that game, and this is the last question I'll, I'll ask you about the, the Buffalo game, that called to mind some of the more amazing game plans that we've seen over the course of the last two decades here with Bill, whether it's the, you know, the intentional safety in Denver or sending Troy Brown out to play cornerback or putting Randy Moss at safety, you know, in Hail Mary situations, Vrabel at tight end. It Do you just... remember that game? Do you remember that? I think they play like a Monday night game in Minnesota. I want to say in like 06. Do you remember this game? And and Minnesota's run defense was only giving up like 60 yards a game. It was so Halloween, they only I ran think. the ball. I think it was, like think it was Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So they only ran the ball like six times. And Corey Dillon was salty after that <laughs> game. But that's the thing he does. Like it's yeah. so basic and it's beyond that other coaches get to this level in the NFL and they're like, well, this is, we do what we do It's no dude. You can't just do what you do because the other team sees that you do what you do and they're going to exploit it and they're going to beat you with it. It was always, I picked up on that. Like when Bill would say that I picked up on it after a few years and he would like North Turner's offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just do what they do. And they always beat North Turner's offense because yep. North Turner was so stubbornly, married to this is what I do in this situation and this is what I do in that situation and Bill was like okay keep doing the same thing and I'm just going to stop you every time the other the other thing that, that I'm reminded of when you say that too is is the Pittsburgh offense for years and years yeah they he's done he does he just does what he needs to do and it's such a simple concept you know, I, I coach track and field and I coach seventh through 12th grade girls in track and field. And if we had a girl who was running the 1600 meters for like two seasons, and then we tried her in the 400 one day and she shatters a school record. Well, aren't I going to keep putting her in the 400? Because clearly she's a very good 400 meter runner, not, and not a middling 1600 runner. You put your people in the best position to succeed. You figure out what you do best and you do that and you figure out what the opponent does best and you try to make them to not let them do that it's such basic coaching and people keep I'm not saying that Bill isn't great by any Mm -hmm. means but it's just so basic when you boil it down and the fact that other coaches don't understand that concept it's so like it just explains so much, you know, why there's so much coaching turnover all the time and that these, you know, there's always personality and matchup and some people just aren't meant to be head coaches for sure. But like I said, the number of times you hear coaches be like, well, we do what we do. Well, that's great and all, but that speaks to a lack of creativity on your part and that you might not be the best coach because you need to work with the personnel that you have. And sure, over time you get to pick your personnel, But if you're not figuring out people's strengths and putting them in a position where they can shine, what are you doing? The dogmatic approach is what the the phrase that that I keep coming back to the the idea of a coach trying to bang a square peg into a round hole to try (laughs) to, yeah, yeah, to to try to implement his approach saying my approach is the only approach. My approach is the best way to do it. it. It is, 
in Bill, we talk about Bill as kind of this very demanding guy. And when, you know, you spend time around this team and around this franchise, you understand that they are more malleable and more flexible when it comes to game plans than just about anyone else out there. Right. And that's their strength. I mean, you've been around that team longer than I have, but they went from a three, four and they had success with that on the defensive front. And then they switched to a four, three, they got two super bowls and one super bowls with the offense being, you know, good, but not spectacular. So then they switch it up and they bring in these, this offensive firepower didn't quite have the success that they were looking for, obviously with Moss and welfare on the team, but they've, he is able to adapt and change and, Again, the fact that other coaches can't do that. And it also does speak to Bill is in what, 22nd season with New England now. And when you look back and see how many different ways they've been able to play and still win. I want to talk a little defense with you. I, I, yeah. I was speaking with, with um, Matt Chatham, Ted Johnson. One thing I told them both was that the highest compliment I can give a defensive player is that he would fit right in with the 2003 <laughs> Patriots. Give me a defensive guy on this New England roster who might be that guy for you. If you want, I'll go first. I, I've been a, a big proponent for an awful long time uh, for, for Matthew Judon. And, and he mm -hmm. has been able to be, in my mind, an absolute game wrecker. He's not only you know delivered on the field, but he just he's seamlessly transitioned into that defense whether it's showing up at a press conference with a revolution t-shirt or, you know, the whole Mac and cheese thing. It's just, he feels like it's been, he feels like he's been there for years as opposed to months. And I was wondering yeah. if you, I was wondering if you had someone in two, who would have fit in that 2003 defense for you. Well, I mean, I still, he's still there obviously. So I feel like Devin McCourty could have mm -hmm. played at any time. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just so smart. Um, he basically is the defense at this point, it seems like, and it looks like seeing you guys who are still around the team on a regular basis, Bill is finally at the point where he will praise Devin. So Devin really has ascended, um, to the, you know, top of the heap status in terms of, of Bill's affection toward players, but he, he just, he can do anything, you know, he's so smart. Judon really does seem like he's a fun guy, um, to be around as much as you guys are around them, quote unquote, these days because mm -hmm. of COVID restrictions. But um, the 12 and a half sacks is, is interesting because as we know, sacks are not, you, you don't usually see that many sacks from a Patriots defensive player. Um, so it's, it's, again, is that a change for how, you know, that Bill's kind of letting him go and, and get to the quarterback, but they've been, you know, the pressure when you look at the numbers and the, tackles for loss and the quarterback hits and the sacks that they have as a team. Um, it's been really, it's impressive to see. I, I want to get this. I want to get your take on this because I talked about this a little bit earlier in the year with Tara Sullivan, and I'm glad you bring up McCourty. I think Devin McCourty will go down as one of Bill Belichick's favorite all-time players, not one of his best all-time players, but one of his favorites. He will talk about Devin McCourty, in 10 years, the way he talks about Mark Bavaro now. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, and I wonder too, if there's a little bit of, um, you know, just kind of knowing Bill's personality, because when he made that pick, so many people panned it, you know, the national oh. pundits and 
the, I did. the outsiders. I did. No, I, I, yeah. And the people said, oh, who is this kid? He's really a first round pick. And he was 32nd. So, you know, he wasn't like top five pick or anything like that, but he was a first round draft pick and people who, who panned it, but <laughs> excuse me, Devin moving to safety, moving back to safety, even though he did make the pro bowl as a cornerback, I think that's what has allowed him to shine and being able to stand back there and see the whole field and not just being, you know, on one side or the other um, is really why he's able to put his smarts and leadership on display the way that he does. So I wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, pettiness with Bill that, geez, you guys all told me I was wrong and look at here we are 12, 13 years later and this kid's still playing at such a high level. Um, But he is, he's, to me, Devin is everything that you should want a player to be. You know, he's smart. He understands um, on and off the field. You know, if you spent any time around him and his brother, you know, they're just really great men. And I hesitate to say that um, about too many players, but, you know, I think they're just, he, he understands, he understands what it is to be part of the Patriots um, system. And obviously that's, sort of changed a little bit over the years. I remember when he was first drafted, his agent told me that Bill wanted them off of Twitter. And his agent was like, yeah, we kind of need Twitter, you know, because obviously that's how players interact with fans. That's how they build a brand and get themselves out there and things like that. So, you know, things change, um, but he's just been so consistent and so good for so long. um, It's really hard to, to not, you know, like you said, the way we would all kind of chuckle when Bill would bring up Mark Favaro, because here we go again. Um, I, I do think uh, somewhere down the line, if he's still coaching in 10 years, that he'll be talking about Devin the same way. Let's uh, kind of go around the league here a little bit. I know that you, you you cover the league as opposed to just covering the Patriots these days. Give me your choice, what, 13 weeks in now for MVP. And again, like we said before, it's going to be one of it's one of those weird years there seems to be, at least initially, no single consensus person who you're going to point to and say, "Look, he's the de facto MVP right now." You know, you have you you could you can make an argument, I suppose, for let's just say the best quarterback out there. You could go Brady, you could go Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor is certainly making a push. Give me your take right now as to who would be the NFL MVP at this point in the season. And I think 100 percent that's you know, as, as we sit here today on December 10th and have this discussion, I would probably go Brady or Rogers. Um, but that might change, mm-hmm. you know, because things may look completely different. Um, by the end of the season, I'm not an associated press voter. I don't have an MVP vote, but you know, green Bay is nine and three Tampa Bay is nine and three. I think, Rodgers, by missing that one game he missed, he almost strengthened his argument by default because you saw just how much the Packers need him and need to have have him on the field. And that's a little unfair to Jordan Love because it was his first start ever. But, you know, I think it just it did kind of strengthen it. And like you said, Taylor, I did watch that entire Buccaneers Colts game um, last week and they didn't really or a week and a half ago now but they didn't really use him much until late in the game which was interesting um, it's, it seems like it, it sort of by default now that the MVP has to go to a quarterback which is a shame but because um, if 
if we're opening it to, I would say PJ Watt, but he's been hurt a lot and the Steelers have, you know, they look terrible last night. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I would say my first two are, are Brady and Rogers. Um, and then we'll see how Taylor finishes out the season. Um, Cause apparently he's, he's yards and yards ahead of anybody else um, in terms of yards from scrimmage and stuff like that. The two guys who I think are two different thoughts on this. First off, if he didn't get hurt, I think you could make a real case. Obviously, we don't know what would have happened, but Derrick Henry and what he was able to do with the Titans mm-hmm. because we've seen the Titans fall off considerably since he's been gone since he's been gone. And then the other guy who I think has a real chance to make a late season push for it is Patrick Mahomes. The other person we're not considering is Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> and I know he missed a couple of games and, you know, you you probably are hesitant to give it to a guy who played 13 games or 14 games out of 17 if assuming he finishes the the you know the rest of the regular season but who expected Arizona to be 10 and 2 (laughs) I don't think anybody expected Arizona to be Mm -hmm. 10 and 2 and then you know to go back to what we're saying before you look at the Rams and a month into the season everybody was ready to give it to Matthew Stafford so a month from now when when all the dust has settled on the regular season might it be Kyler Murray maybe you know, could the Packers run away, you know, finish out the season? And then, like you said, could Mahomes put it all together um, and finish the season strong? Or, or might this be a year, you know, we had a tie that year when Peyton and uh, Steve McNair won it. So maybe it comes down to that this year. Maybe it's one of those types of years. It, it does seem to be, again, you know, you see it in the MVP race, you see it in the divisional races. It's just one of those strangers. So I won't kind of try to pin you down and ask you for a Super Bowl pick, a singular Super Bowl pick, but give me maybe three or five teams who, as we sit here in early December, have the best shot, at least theoretically, have the best shot at winning the Super Bowl. Well, I do. Um, Yahoo has us make season picks, and I'm pretty sure I a rematch chiefs bucks, but I think I flipped it this time and said the chiefs would win. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I usually like to stick with um, my picks until one of them gets eliminated for sure. Um, I don't, I don't like changing my mind publicly like that. So I did pick chiefs bucks at the beginning of the season. I still feel good about my bucks pick in the AFC. Again, could it be the chiefs for sure? Mm -hmm. Um, the Patriots, it's a little hard. Like, I, I don't know if they're there saying, yet. <clears throat> yeah, everyone keeps saying the rookie quarterback, and, and you don't mm-hmm. really see rookie quarterbacks making it to the Super Bowl. But if any rookie quarterback was going to get there, I could see it being Mac Jones because of Bill and Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like that 2011 Super Bowl when all due respect to the players, but that was like the worst secondary in the history of the NFL up to that point. And he got them to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The man can do anything. Um, so could he get a rookie quarterback to the Super Bowl? Yes. I know. I, I know that broadcast would love to have a Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl. And then, like you said, there's just, you can see almost anybody you can, you can make a case. For almost anybody, Kansas City, because they've 
obviously been there the, the previous two years. I think of the current division leaders, Tennessee probably has the toughest path just because injury-wise, they are struggling right now. You could see Baltimore getting there, but then you can't. You could see Cincinnati getting there, but you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, it's the Bengals. You know, when have we ever really seen the Bengals step up? You can make a case for the Chargers potentially to get there if they're putting it together. So almost New England by default, possibly. I like your two, <laughs> I like the 2011 comparison because I think in some ways for me, that was one of the last years that we had that was a little bit like this year and that it just seemed to be the Patriots that year were the best team in a wildly flawed conference and they were right. able to advance. That was the year where I'm just thinking about this. That was the year where Julian Edelman was playing cornerback in the AFC championship game. Yeah. Which yep. still, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that that's, that's when he was playing cornerback against Anquan Bolden, the AFC championship game. And that just kind of speaks to the idea that, you know, if Bill could get that team that far with that secondary, who's mm -hmm. to say he couldn't do it with a rookie quarterback? I, I completely agree with your point there. Yep. Yep. They, again, if the defense keeps playing like it is, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm not sure how many points per game they're giving up. But if you're only asking Mac to put 21 to 24 points on the board, that takes a lot of the pressure off, you know? And again, the run game is strong. They can control time of possession. The defense goes out there and does its thing. They have, you know, everyone wants to try to reinvent the wheel and, and this is supposed to be a pass first league, but still at the end of the day, this game is one in the trenches. It's one at the line of scrimmage and the Patriots have that right now. Chilis, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, my friend. This has been a pleasure. And I, I just want to let people know where they can follow you, where they can read your stuff, let people know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, so I do have an author page. If you go to sports.yahoo.com, sometimes the author page is lengthy, um, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it, my name is in there. If I've written something recently, it's usually um, right on the main Yahoo Sports page, um, you know, taking down people as I feel the need to take down people <laughs> the los angeles county sheriffs and fire department were were in my sights yesterday because of um this lawsuit that vanessa bryant has brought against them for taking those pictures of, of kobe um at the crash scene and and showing them around you know like you and i would exchange photos of like you know oh look at what the kid did at, ba at baseball and yeah. look at what my girls did at the pumpkin patch then they're like at fundraising events showing off pictures of Kobe Bryant's corpse oh. um so yeah for sure on Yahoo Sports and my Twitter is what it's always been Shalice M. Young um and it's been so good to catch up with you and your really perfect podcast voice you have like the perfect podcast voice I appreciate that Shalice I've been working <laughs> on it I've been I've been I've, I've been kind of you know it's it's I, I got the equipment here I'm in our basement our redone basement it's been a really fun way to kind of stay in touch with a lot of people that I really like, talk football, have some fun, have some good conversation. So I appreciate it. And, and I hope we can hook this up again very, very soon down the road. Oh, yeah. If the, Hey, if, I don't know if you're going to L.A., but I'm going to L.A. for the Super Bowl. So fingers crossed. Fingers yes. crossed. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So so hope, hopefully we'll be able to do this in person. We'll be able to catch up in person. Absolutely, Chris. Sounds good. Take care, Shalise.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.